It's the Tiltcast, episode 520, Kool-Aid Man. And this week, guys, we are talking uh, Risk of Rain 2, Survivors of the Void, uh, Metal Hellsinger, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and some House Destruction. Stay tuned. Oh, yeah. Uh, it didn't come through as as good as I wanted it to. We're back. Woo! It's the tilt cast, uh, and that was the weakest can intro that we've had in a very long time. I well, you know, um, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a can. I'll I'll, I'll figure something out. It's, I'll find a uh I'll, I'll record a uh a very good sensual can uh, can noise and then i'll uh I'll, I'll just record that shit well it's an m-rated show it is sunday the 18th i believe uh yes feels like 102 here what does it feel like in uh, nowhere michigan uh in the northlands it is 82 degrees currently i got a 20 degree lead on you i'm nas i'm rusty and there's no jason and, uh, it's just us. <laughs> You're going to get a few minutes of bullshit. Um, some games, yeah. some news. Uh, we're both kind of wiped. Yeah. Uh, Rusty was a uh, Kool-Aid man in his way through his house yesterday. And I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was getting, getting a little trashed. Um, having my last summer hurrah. Well, there you go. So you were, yeah. when I say cool, were you remodeling your basement or something? We had a, we, we had a wall. See, uh, have a pantry on the other side of the, the wall for my, uh, for my studio. Uh, and then that pantry, there was a false wall with a cabinet that was like dilapidated and falling apart and shit like that. But it was nailed directly to a false, you know, false wall, like a non-load bearing you know, wall and just studs on the back side of it. I'm like, you know, we need to get this cabinet out of here and take these, you know, take these studs down and open up the space because it's not doing anything. It's just in the way. And we can use that floor space for, uh, you know, for like a workout room or something like that, you know, you know, better organization and shit like that. So, uh, I'm like, I'm downstairs you know, looking, you know, looking over the wall saying, okay, exactly. How am I going to attack this thing? And around the corner comes my buddy, Cam, and he's got two sledgehammers. <laughs> and he just says, this is how we're going to do it. And I said, right on, we're going to go, go to town. And, uh, he, uh, he, he allowed me the first stab at the wall. Now I did not know that the the screws that was or the um nails that were uh, were used were twisted nails so they kind of act like screws when they're driven in to wood and they're really really difficult to take out um so uh it took me a few a few whacks with a sledgehammer. I didn't have a whole lot of extension because I didn't have a whole lot of space to work with. But 
Uh, yeah, I realized at the moment that I uh, that I hit the wall the first time that I had some anger issues that I needed to work out. And uh, I hit it once and I'm like, man, that felt real good. And now I'm going to go at it again. And then I just I st- I, I I just I just went. I went hard <laughs> and I screamed and I went berserker mode for a bit. And uh, then I ended up with a uh, Sparta kick that, well, I mean, I still didn't get the damn nail out uh, nails out of the damn thing. But right after right after the video that we took, that's you know, floating around on YouTube right now. Um, right after that, you know, that video came up, I basically, you know, shouldered into that freaking thing and it came down. Uh, so it was, it was a fun day yesterday. Uh, you don't get to demo very often. And I mean, we were trying to be as careful as possible because we didn't want to break anything more, um, than just that wall, but man, demo was fun. Like when when your chosen tool is a sledgehammer, yeah, you're gonna have a good day. Uh, so we we pumped up some you know some tunes and we went to town on on that wall. Got it, you know, got it all broke down, broke apart, and then about eight hundred freaking trips up some stairs later, we you know we got it all cleaned out. So yeah, we've got some extra space to work with now. Um, unfortunately uh the uh the base uh the base two by four the one that's on you know that was on the floor we didn't know but uh that was sunk in with the same screws or same nails those twisted nails and must have been like hammered into place when the concrete was just setting because we could get the bottom board up, but it left the nails in the, you know, in the floor. And of course we needed to get rid of those nails. So we're like, okay, we're just going to go, we're going to go to town on these damn nails and see if we can just, you know, knock them loose from the concrete and pull them up. That was a bad move. Uh, Cause as soon as we put some leverage on those, uh, those nails and they took some leverage. I mean, I'm not a small guy and I'm putting my entire weight on this thing. Uh we I was able to get the nails up, but it also took up some chunks of concrete with it. So uh I I was a homebreaker yesterday. <laughs> I'm feeling it today. <laughs> not quite it was, not uh, quite a shipbreaker. Yeah, not yeah, it's I wish I I I'd wish I had actually just you know, ground those or cut those uh, nails off and just ground them down flat to the floor, so that I wouldn't have to worry about them. But you know, I, I didn't. We're gonna we're gonna end up filling that in, and uh, we're gonna probably seal an epoxy. You know that you know that area too, because we're gonna make it into. Uh, um, it's gonna be part storage room and part weight room basically so we're gonna get some free weights and medicine balls stuff like that uh, throw that in there so that we can we can work out and i don't know if i'm ever gonna have more than a one pack but uh we'll 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 try (laughs) i mean it's it's kind of like you're a six pack but it's still in the box 
It's 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 wrapped in bubble wrap right now, dude. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, I I am just a barrel at the moment. <laughs> But yeah, the uh, the idea was to get that going. Oh, I did, I did look at the uh, the video, and you know, I could tell, I can tell that uh, you know, because I was the uh, the video was taken side on, uh, so I could see kind of. You've made you've made progress. Profile. I've made some progress. Yeah, I've, I've I'm I'm not you're quite. Down, as... You're down at least a shirt size from when you were here last. Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting better. I mean, it helps that I have to go up a flight of stairs, you know, multiple times a day if I come down to the studio. Uh I'm I'm keeping active and doing all the, you know, all the fun stuff. Obviously, busting walls isn't, you know, uh isn't light duty. Uh so it's it's been a fun, it's been fun and it's I can tell that I uh you know, my, you know, the keto diet's working and, uh, you know, I'm losing weight. So that's good. I mean, somebody needs to hire my ass so that I can lose even more weight. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was trying to do like a last hurrah while it was hot. It's, we had, it's been cool the last week and then it just recently, it's going to heat up for a few days and it'll drop back down and be fall weather in a week. Yeah. But that's, that's Oklahoma weather. That's that's very typical for here. It's usually we have one last heat wave in September, and then it drops back off. So, for instance, by our highs on Tuesday and Wednesday are 100, but the low for He's... Wednesday is 67. Oh, that's nothing, dude. That's nothing. It's no, like, but I'm saying that's like almost a 40 degree gap, and then that's going to get back to fall weather. I say by about this time next weekend. Well, it's it, we've got we've got a bigger gap, you know, because it gets down to about oh no, it's about the same, I guess. It gets down to about forty degrees up here, uh, and this is about the time that uh, it starts getting brisk. As soon as it starts getting brisk, then the color uh, the the leaves change. Okay, yeah, so, I'm not going to even clean out the pool. Like, uh, what's going to happen is next weekend, probably my last dip in the pool, and then I'm just going to drain it. <laughs> Because I'm not going to be cleaning leaves out of the fucking pool or oh, no. trying to winterize should... a pool that's only like eight thousand gallons. Yeah, you should and be. My, you, my you water should bill was like anyway. all of forty dollars higher the month that I filled it up. So, oh, yeah, not that big a deal. <laughs> so, yeah, not not a big enough deal for me to want to like deal with it all winter instead of pay forty dollars to fill it back up once it gets hot again. Yeah, you should you should tear that down anyway. Um, you know, leaving those above ground pools up over uh, over the course of a winter, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to fall into that shit. You're going to end up having to change the water out and filter it and freaking shock it. Like you know, yeah, just fucking start over next year. Uh, that way, you know that you know when you take care of it, you make sure that you dry it out before you put it you know put it away, and it's not going to end up green on the fucking inside of it and you'll be fine yeah it'll be fine but yeah it was fun we uh i didn't actually cook anything yesterday i just ate pizza i ordered pizza because i didn't know how many people were going to show up there was only just a handful of folks but it was fine oh so man it uh we laughed it up 
Mr. Earl was here, and he was very much the life of the party yesterday. Of course. With He's zero got energy zero, for days and days, dude. With zero alcohol. Like, just the complete life of the party. Everybody else is, like, fucking toasty, and there's Earl. He just motor-mouthing along. Yeah. That's Earl, though, man. He, uh, he's he's such a great guy. Uh, he's been on the it, show a couple times. Yeah, you got to go and... a couple hundred episodes back. Like, he was kind of <laughs> fairly regular for a while yeah. in the uh, uh, late hundreds, early 200s. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Earl's, uh, Earl's a longtime friend of me and Rusty and Jason's. Um, we all worked in the same place. He is. He is the embodiment of Crazy Earl. It is. He is just... He's got so much energy. I'm not sure how he does it. I can't, like, I don't understand. <laughs> but that aside, uh, it was a pretty uneventful week, more or less, aside from me putting in windows last weekend. Yeah, um, I did. I, I did a bunch of shit this week. I mean, I made fucking, I made bone broth. I made fucking seven and a half liters of fucking bone broth, big fucking pot. Just went, went to town. Uh, I've got, I made fucking eight pounds worth of clarified butter. Uh, that was a bitch, dude. <laughs> it was just making a clarified butter is something that I want to do once and be done with it. <laughs> I, I take me a very long, I'm only making for myself, so I probably, It'd probably take me several months to go through that. Yeah, well, that that should last for a a, a long while because you don't need you don't need nearly nearly as much clarified butter as you do like normal butter that doesn't melt off or uh, or anything. When you make eggs with clarified butter instead of normal butter, you don't get the brown edges and shit. It's it's so good, uh, and it's just. It's just, just great. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got a, uh, we've got a, 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 a camera going on here, and he blew and vape into the camera, and it got real fucking, it got real blurry. He got really four twenty in here for a minute. Uh, yeah, there it goes. But yeah, the uh. The clarified butter took a long ass fucking, you know, took a long ass time just because, I mean, the cooking part of it didn't take very long because uh, it only takes like uh, half an hour, 45 minutes or so to actually, you know, cook it down. But you were s- sitting over top of that pot the entire time, skimming off foam and shit that comes off of it. And this uh, this butter that I was using was a little bit older so it, it ended up having some oxidation on it and that had to come out too uh so i skimmed a lot of fucking you know skimmed a lot of foam but uh i made a, a decent amount of uh clarified butter there and that should last a, a good while um it's it's just it's great on toast it's great on everything so i don't do toast but i do truffles I've got the, and I made fucking a hundred chaffles, a hundred plus chaffles. And I've got another pound and a half of fucking almond flour to make more. So yeah, I'm just doing freezer food. Cause up here, up, up in the Northlands, you end up making freezer food and you end up just throwing it in the fucking freezer. You get, you, everybody's got a deep freeze. 
everybody ends up throwing you know throwing food in the freezer because it's like look there's gonna be times where you just don't want to fucking deal with the snow and you don't want to have to go to the store to pick up fucking like you know a thing or two so you end up concocting shit out of what you've got in a freezer and uh man i did not even know like there's there's like full-on eggs in a carton that you can freeze and i'm like i didn't even know that was a thing you know so i'm sitting here going okay well i mean that should be good for chaffles at least right probably won't make an omelet or anything out of it but you know it should be good for chaffles so you know i'm i'm like all right i'll give it a try it's so i've been basically uh susie homemaker plus uh wreck it ralph here um uh, it's 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 been uh it's it's been a, a weird week and um it's yeah uh, and i really haven't really played that much in you know in the way of games I've just been in the in the way of just doing comfort shit like I've been poking around in Final Fantasy 14 every once in a while, but I only play for like maybe 10, 15 minutes at a time. So I guess I'm not considered playing that game. Um, I was going to say, like, I've got so much going on the next little bit. I'm busy every single weekend until the 15th. Jeez. So for me, that's going to a show this Saturday, this coming Saturday, I'm going to a show the following Saturday, I'm going to thing at Trent's house the following Saturday, and Jeez. then I'm going to a show the following Wednesday, the 12th. And then that's my last of everything I think that I'm going to be able to stomach the rest of the year. And this whole that's time a- I'm looking out for my Steam Deck because while I'm traveling, I wouldn't mind having a Steam Deck. Me and John were talking about it last night, and I was like, because he just got his email, so he's hoping that he's going to get his before we go. We're going to, if you've never, well, it's kind of, it's game adjacent. Um, There's a trailer for the new Hellblade 2, and the track is done by a group called Heilung. Um, Yes. So me and John are going to go see them, and we were trying to figure out who was driving or whatever, and he was like, well, I really want to switch off driving. I was like, why is that? And he's like, I want to play my Steam Deck. Well, somebody drives. I was like, well, I hope I get my Steam Deck too, so that at least uh, one of us gets a little bit of, at least both of us get some game time in while we're driving. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're gonna go see them not next weekend, but the weekend after that. So, dude, that'll that probably Highline be show one of, is gonna be awesome. It'll probably be one of the most every show review I've looked at for them is pretty intense their shows are typically two to three hours long um which is pretty crazy um there's like vikings on stage and it's just a whole bunch of weird shit and i'm really looking forward to that then i'm seeing uh one of my staple favorites i'm seeing mashuga for the first time in about 12 or 13 years so um i'm going to that one by myself because there wasn't anybody that could go with me but i don't care I, this will be the second show i went to by myself this year i'm yeah. uh pretty uh i don't go to movies by myself but i'll go to a show by myself if i really want to see it yeah i don't go to movies by myself either now that i think about it i have i have done it before but it's always awkward like 
you know, ticket for one. I yeah, I feel like you kind of have to bounce energy off somebody else. But like the stuff I want to see, I don't want to see it with somebody who doesn't really want to see it. Right. So I wouldn't take somebody that would be kind of half-ass appreciative of it. If you need to understand my obsession with uh, Mashuga, if anybody's curious, there's a YouTube video that's a clip of Bill Burr talking about his experience as a drummer watching them live. And then I'm not a drummer, but I do love drummers. And then you'll understand why I geek out anytime I've gotten, well, I've only seen them once, but it was a nearly spiritual level of experience with uh, musicianship. And it's different. You go to, so, you know, you might go see something like, I'm putting this in old man terms, like Kansas, right? Or Dream Theater or Rush or Tool. And you'll get like one level of musicianship, which is a lot of noodly stuff, right? And <laughs> at least with okay. like Tool, you'll get a little bit of like polyrhythm stuff because Dana Carey's a pretty damn good drummer. And then you get to like the drummer's drummer and that's Meshuggah. And it's just a whole nother level of tightness and musicianship. Like I've seen dream theater and they're very tight. They don't touch my sugar. It's, it's no. an intense experience of it's weird because everybody's nodding their head to the four, but there's like a 23rd in there or there's a, it, there's a whole nother time signature that's going on. There's a whole set of, the rhythm section that's playing one thing and a whole set of the rhythm section that's playing another thing. And then sometimes there's something over the top of that. And they don't talk a lot in their shows. It's just this really crazy, psychotic light show that's perfectly in time with one of the beats, usually. And it's run live. It's not pre-recorded. The sound man's been with them for 20 years, or the light man. And he follows whatever he wants to follow for the performance for that night. And it's pretty intense. Usually the guy's faces are like shrouded in shadow and it's just this crazy light show that's going along with everything. And you just see like the whole crowd pulsing on the one, but the one is a ghost note. So that's the weird thing. Like the people that go get it, they know where the one is. And if you haven't been to one, you probably don't know where the one is. You've just, you listen to it enough and you know where the one is. And I, I guess not everybody I listen to, I'm a, I'm a little bit of an odd dude, right? I do a video game podcast, but more that so than that, um, I'm a little bit on spectrum. And so the things that I like deal with, I guess, fixing those ticks, mm -hmm. which is why I listen to the music I do and why I get bored with certain music or like, there's nothing really wrong with pop, but like, it doesn't do anything for me at all. Right. Um, country very selective on uncertain tracks right rap kind of the same thing except for some other stuff i really like iced tea i i can't explain it i really like iced tea as a person um <laughs> but okay um so there's more of an admiration for iced tea but that's super old school right right um but yeah some of the edm i do like um but it's usually Typically for me, it's stuff where there's layers of things and I can hone in on something different every time I listen to something. And so right. I tend to listen to stuff that has really good drummers in it, to be honest with you. that's that's It doesn't even matter the style of music. It's stuff with really interesting drummers or really interesting hooks in the music that catch me. Like for 
the closest I get to really liking country, and this isn't country at all, is like the Reverend Horton Heat or the Necromantics. And I really <laughs> like a stand-up bass. Um, there's something about the way that hits me, like the way that I feel that music that I like. Right. Um, and I also rented an apartment from um, Jim, not Jimbo, um, from them 20 years ago. So I have a deep appreciation for whiskey and um, guitar playing from those guys. But there you um, go. yeah, like, uh, so yeah, that kind of stuff like hits me where things tick, which is also why certain games appeal to me much differently than a lot of people. Why I think that typically we've all kind of got our things, right? Like Rusty, you've got kind of your thing too. Certain things click a certain mm -hmm. thing with you. You really like organization a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> you figured that shit out pretty quick though. <laughs> um, you really like organization and, and organization like really checks a box for you. Right. And for me, and not, a, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what I like. I like things that I can build layers of ideas on when I'm gaming, but I don't always like strong story in games unless it's exceptionally good. So Right. You don't uh, want it to actually tell you the story. You want to experience it. I do. Um, right. And then sometimes the story is really good and I like it. Um, but I like stuff that's really open-ended. I don't like stuff that's too... I typically don't like stuff that hold not just holds your hand, but is forced, forces you towards a linear path with no decisions unless it's just exceptionally well done. Last of Us is a linear game that's exceptionally well done. Except I'm not a real big fan of how they turned the people I liked into the astagonists to borrow a BMF cast word. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, two just pissed me off. I, I know that they were trying something like, do you under, do you know enough about Last of Us 2 to understand what I'm talking about? I know enough about it, but I haven't actually played any of the Last of Us games. Um, they turn the two central characters to... into the into the bad guys and make you play right. somebody who was the bad guy for the whole rest of the game. And I had a really strong character connection with Joel and Ellie. And it they did a really good job of making you really pissed off. It's just something you don't get in a game. And in some ways, it's a mastered stroke of genius. But... I didn't enjoy the other character they tried to force you into, which is why I got almost at the end of the game and I was like, fuck this game. Um, I think that's, and that's, that's actually... It's a shades a lot of people really liked Ellie and Joel. Well, I think that's actually a uh, a thing that, uh, that makes total sense. Like, for instance, there was... Um, uh, there's games that take the the main character, the character that you played, and then you know, and you've grown attached to, you You know, you kind of know that character. Uh, and then eventually some, you know, somewhere along the line, there's a sequel that comes out and it tries to throw in another character that you really don't give a shit about or has, you know, has really no backstory and you end up having to play that character and then you see your, you know, the, the character that you've been playing in the background, you know, doing his own thing. Like... Oh, Why they, can't they I, go? You know, they go extra hard in two to try to make you dislike Ellie and Joel. And I even well, here's what they did: they took your 
modern, your modern sensibilities, I'm trying to frame this in a way, they took mm. how you as a person in a civilized world would feel about the things that Joel and Ellie did and use that against you to make you feel like they're awful people. But given the situation and the things that they experienced in the world that they're in, it makes sense what they did. All of the right. decisions they made were very human decisions. And I can't not have made different decisions as a person in the second game to be not the bad guy. And that's the thing. It like wants to make you feel like an asshole. And, and it kind of forces you into it. And it forces you into it. And that makes me, right. and that, it will make it, 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 it makes you feel like a shitty human. And I don't like that. And that's, it takes you, takes your agency away that's and that's, that's the thing like you you no longer have control yeah and it, it's been long enough you know and i'm saying it's stuff that's vague enough that if you've played it you know what i'm talking about if you haven't played it you you will figure it out but uh most people that were interested played it a long time ago i highly recommend last of us one it's an excellent master class game and even if you don't like zombies it's just the story of that game is just the you know what that makes that game is the interaction between Joel and Ellie. And it's just done so well. And then it really, re I replayed it again, right? Um, when the kiddo was living here and I was kind of in a situation where I was kind of put into a position of being a stepdad to a teenage girl. And then I related with Joel that much more because he's not her real father. Right. So right. like really hit me in the in the feelers they're pretty hard and not a lot of games do that right like some people might say there's some other games that are kind of like that that do a good job but um the even the idle dialogue between them is timed based on the environments and the things that you've done so far and it's comes across incredibly natural it's just in very good writing and the thing about naughty dog is like even the uncharted series um the interactions between uh nathan drake and sully is very father son and mm -hmm. done in an exceptional way. Like it kind of reminded me of like if I was in a similar situation, it would be like the relationship between me and my father. Right. But it's also mm -hmm. done very much in the indie versus um, his, his dad situation in the, in the later movies. Um, okay. Yeah. If, if you haven't played the uncharted, the uncharted series is so good. Um, those are not coming out. Yeah. Isn't that being re-released? Re on PC, you can get like the whole collection. I would say go with Green Man. <laughs> I'm a shill for Green Man. Green Man <laughs> does these. So basically, you spend $100 on Green Man. They give you like the fucking farm for deals. So um, you probably get it for 10 bucks off off Green Man. Um, huh. Even brand new games are like, they'll, it'll be like 17% off. <laughs> but it's like a brand new game. And they'll give you, you know, it says like an Epic or Steam key or whatever, right? But they, uh, um, you can even get PlayStation games on there too. And now Xbox games on there, they do keys. But uh, Green Man has got excellent deals. And it's a super legit key site. Like it's not like some of these other ones. I got a, something off a, another site when I was trying to get Doom Eternal. Never got the right key for the right mm -hmm. region in the right language and just lost 40 bucks to some key reseller. And it was the, one of the worst things I ever did, but green man is of high repute and they 
reward frequent customers with discounts. But like they yeah. used to do like this tiered discount thing where you get like if you spent money fairly regularly, they give you money off stuff. And now you're just gold tier like once you spend a hundred bucks, which is easy to do on video games. So Very I, easy. I typically look even like during Steam sales, they'll have stuff marked down even further than the damn Steam sale. So like before I make that final push to buy something, I'll go and check Green Man real quick to make sure it's not also cheaper on there. Um, I'm notoriously cheap. So but it's uh, keeps me having a lot of extra money. Yeah. But yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's I've played I've gotten stuff from uh, from Green Men before. Just make sure that you know that uh, know what platform it's going to be on before you hit the buy. Yeah, um, it is. I've been duped once, but yeah, it's a lot clearer. I think now it'll have Epic's logo on there, Steam's logo on the page. Right. And, and when you're it's in your cart, you can see which one of the keys that you're getting. Um, depending, I typically will pick Steam over Epic if I can help it. I don't know why. It's just Steam organizes your library so much better than Epic does. It's really, yeah, you almost I'm, have to memorize what you have in your Epic library because there's like, if you pick up most of the free games like I do, I've got like 200 games on Epic and I've got about 20 that I've actually purchased. Um, and I kind of wish there was a way for me to filter the free games I got versus the, uh, ones I purchased. Whereas, I would love to have more filters for that because I'm in the same boat. Yeah, like Steam, I've got the dynamic filter set up and you can set it up to like, so what I'll do is I don't necessarily, I used to just install everything I bought and then play, keep it installed until I beat it and, and, and take it off my hard drive. Now, if I add it to library, depending on what I want to play right now, I have a file that says play later, which is anything I recently purchased, but I don't want to install right away. And I drop it in that before I go and like install it. And then I just work my way through that folder. Um, and then sometimes I make like randomly, I was looking for roguelikes earlier this year. So I created a whole roguelike filter that just filtered my whole library for roguelikes. And then that way I can just pick which one I want to play and then just rotate to it. And then when I'm done with it, I just uninstall it. And then it's back in the roguelike folder, but not in my installed folder. I don't know. Just the library functions on Steam is just superior to everything else. Especially when you got a, I mean, mine and your accounts are like almost 20 years old. Like I've had Steam yeah. since Half-Life 2. So Same. I've got like 700 titles in my library. I mean, it's not all major. Most of these are indie releases. But I probably uh, still I got about, many. I probably still got about 200 major titles in there. Um. Like, I even have fucking Stubbs the Zombie. Like, I've got some old titles in there. I think, outside of Half-Life, I think the oldest title I've got is the original Prey. Um, which is a pretty old fucking title, I'll tell you. I think I, I have that on Xbox, or did. I used to trade in all my <laughs> disc games. I still have quite a few disc games. I probably could trade in all of those. Um, yeah. Or, or sell them on eBay, which is probably what I'll do. But speaking of yeah, games, probably. Um, I did play, I'm not really going to talk about it at length, but I played a little bit more Phantom Pain and that still runs pretty good. Yep. <clears throat> it got me thinking though, because with that game and Inquisitor, Warhammer 40k Inquisitor, I have to reduce the resolution of my desktop. I have to reduce the scaling to 100%. So that means that everything gets small and I play on a 55 inch TV. And I started thinking... I've done a lot of research. This is something I wasted a lot of time on. 
I should just get another TV. And it's mm-hmm. still not in a price range that I want to pay for. Can I afford it? Yes. Do I want to spend the money on it? Not yet. Because what I've been wanting is a a QNED or a OLED after looking oh, okay. at some of those. And we, me and you talked about it a little bit last week. Yep. But doing a lot of research, if you're going to get an OLED, the LG C1 or C2 is basically what you want. And going through, not even joking, probably 50 different review videos on burn-in, those have little to none unless you watch the news every single day, all day. And that's oh, even, with the ticker and everything and across the bottom and stuff, yeah. And that's according to Artings. So as, Artings as only as... said that the, the only problem channel they had was CNN and soccer. <laughs> so okay. over a whole year of like six hours on the same channel. Um, yeah, and I mean, if you play uh, if you play a game with uh, UI elements that basically never leave the screen for long periods of time, that might be a similar thing. But most games will go into a you know either a loading screen or will remove the UI if you pause it or something like that so that it can refresh the pixels. Um, well, so and I was watching a guy that used a. A C1 as a daily driver monitor for two years with no burn in. Okay. Well, they've been getting better at you know at reducing the burn in. There's there's different techniques where the uh, uh, where you know where this the screen can actually determine if it's if it's too bright. It can actually you know locally dim those zones, or it could do um, it could do like the the you know, every other frame situation. So it refreshes the pixels every other frame. There's, that gets to people sometimes, though. It can cause headaches. Yeah, the the thing about LG over a lot of the other ones is it's one of the few TVs that incorporates G-Sync. And mm-hmm. that's a major feature that I want um, is G-Sync for TV because it'll do G-Sync uh, up to 120 hertz. That's and, good. And at 4K with inky-ass blacks. And that would just be a game changer for me because I V-Sync a lot because of I've got a TV that's locked at like 59.94 hertz, right? Right. So I can obviously go faster, but I'm just locked in at that. And then if you have G-Sync, right, like that negates any of that. You just let it run and then you never skip frames. Whereas, like, the other TVs have free sync, which is not quite the same. Under, like, 48 hertz, it, like, does a half refresh. So, um, free sync is not something I'm really interested in, if I'm going to belt that that kind of money. But when I was looking at prices, the C1 and C2 I'm looking at, because I want a 65-inch. That's where I'm going to go. I'm not going to go 75-inch. I measured the distance, and I was like, holy shit, that's big. Um 65 inches is 40% larger than my 55-inch TV, so yeah. which would be ginormous, but it would be good on my bad eyes. And um, the uh, – It prevents you from having to do the, uh, the uh, desktop scaling. Correct. That's where that came from, and that was the rabbit hole I went down. And I was like, but am I doing this just because I want to play Metal Gear? And I was like, no, this would, like, make everything look amazing. Um. But I'm still not in the mindset to drop 
If I could find one, a C1 or a C2 for around $1,100, I would drop it, but I'm not going to drop $1,800 right now. And uh, then I was looking um, at the mini LEDs, and the mini LEDs still have some severe bloom issues. And I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, well, I have a TCL, which has bloom issues. So it wouldn't be anything that I haven't lived with before. But if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I might as well just go fucking OLED. Right, right. Like, just bite the bullet. I know the mini LEDs will last longer, but I replace the TV about every five years anyway. So if it's getting to the point where it sucks in five years, I will just replace it. Well, this being your main monitor, you you want to make sure that you get something that you're going to like. You know, I like my, I like my, you know, I don't use a TV. I use a uh, an ultra wide for, uh, for my gaming, but uh, I've run into problems with my ultra wide, you know, where the, uh, the G sync on it doesn't necessarily keep up. It's only like, it's the maximum it can go to is a, is a hundred Hertz. And that's if I overclock it, you know, it's, it's aging. Like I've had this thing forever. Um, but I spent way too much money on it when I bought it. So I've always been like, you know, I really don't need to buy another fucking monitor and I'm probably going to hate the fact that it's not widescreen. Uh, so I know I'm eventually going to end up replacing this damn thing. Uh, because if I want to stream having an ultra wide is, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not convenient. Cause you have to basically play everything in windowed mode. And I hate that. So uh, you, you can also you, with these TVs too, you can even do, is it 30 by nine? A uh, 30 by nine. Yeah, so you're you, going to have bars like, on top and bottom, but you can do like super ultra wide with it. Yeah. That's, that's simulated ultra wide though. That's, you know, you're letterboxing literally everything you're playing then. But if you wanted the peripherals, right. I guess you could, yeah, you could, you could do it, you know, so that you can get the peripheral. I do like the fact that I get a lot more screen space with a, uh, from, from an ultra wide, but I mean, ul- you know, ultimately if I decide that I want to do something, uh, if I want to play an indie game that doesn't, you know, or a freaking triple a game that doesn't have ultra wide support for some reason, because I've got to, you know, got to be part of the, uh, the 1% you know, club. The, one percent club yeah um you know it's it's just it becomes a little bit less uh less convenient for me to you know to play other games uh so i'll i'll be looking forward you know you know possibly doing a monitor tree uh get you know get yourself like a 43 inch oled i don't think i really want to go that big honestly you know with with how I've got the the studio set up uh right now I could probably get away with you know uh putting up a good high you know high refresh rate um you know monitor and I haven't really even shopped around for any but if I get a good high refresh rate monitor that's got really good color really good response uh you know put that as my main screen and then I've got a couple extra you know, one-off, you know, cheapo monitors that I can put up for, you know, like stream monitoring or, you know, YouTube or, you know, Discord or something like that up on, you know, you know, up on the other monitors. I think that'd be, you know, that'd be what I'd need. 
that's what I'd that's what I'd want. Um, I've got this. My setup's weird because I have my old 1080p monitor mm. sitting on the like whatever that that TV bench thing is right. the console, and that's what I throw Discord on while I'm gaming, so I can just kind of see who's talking. I mean, not that I can't recognize it, but I'll right. throw that and Messenger up so I don't have to actually check my phone. But I can barely see it from um, from the couch where I yeah. And something you guys, if you ever want to do a living room setup, which is what I've got, I found a laptop, a rolling laptop cart, and I don't use the goofy uh, LCD keyboard mouse setup. I've I've got wrist issues, so you know I'm 40 years old, but I use a pretty inexpensive vertical mouse, and I did actually buy a Logitech wireless keyboard because I got sick of the other one freaking batteries dying every month i had a really oh, yeah. really 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 cheap keyboard let's say i spent 9.99 on an amazon special for something called a re rii and it was good enough well, that's all it was it was good enough eight batteries every month i've spent more on batteries than i ever spent on the keyboard and Jeez. then i found a logitech wireless keyboard that has a two-year battery life on it um that is comfortable. I spent about 25 bucks on it and it uh, is, is that the light speed ones? Maybe, um, maybe, I don't know, but it's, it's a far superior full size keyboard. Okay. Um, it's excellent. Um, and it's, it's better than the one that I've gotten here in the podcast room, but yeah, it's a full size keyboard. It's got a little bit of heft to it. It's, uh, works perfectly. It doesn't lose signal like the other one would do randomly. Um, it's, uh, it's excellent. That was something I bought just last week because I wanted something that would, uh, you know, stop using batteries all the freaking time. I can, I can, it's not that I can't afford it. It's just annoying in the middle yeah. of a game and then your batteries die and you can't even hit escape. Um, so, um, uh, and it types so much smoother too than the other one. The other one was like, I don't, it's just, it was cheap as shit. I don't know. I, yeah. I spent too little don't go cheap on your fucking keyboards, man. Come on. <laughs> Especially if it's wireless. Uh, you know, you, you want something that's, you know, that's reliable. I've, you know, I've used Logitech, you know, uh, peripherals for a long, long time. They don't, they're, uh, their mice are really overpriced, though. They, they have great mice, but they're really overpriced. And honestly, eh. I don't, I've looked at the rat and I had one of the, uh, so I had a, a wired USB hub with a suction cup on this rolling table for a while that had a 20 foot USB extension cable. And I got really sick of that thing. So that's why I went wireless. And then I don't need like 16 buttons on my mouse anymore. I'm not playing world of Warcraft. So having uh -huh. three extra buttons on my mouse and a vertical mouse is like greatly improved a lot of things. And I'm not playing competitive Dota. So it's got, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what the res the response time is fast enough. And then I play with a controller half the time anyway. So, oh, um, but I'm... the laptop table is a huge thing. So all you do is I found a laptop table that had a place for a mouse, right? And a place for a keyboard. And then I can adjust the height on it and it rolls around. So I can put a chair in the living room and be able to type and use my mouse anywhere in the living room. Or um, I can sit on the couch 
and just roll that up to me um, and use that. And it's been super dope, to be honest with you. Um, I love using that thing. Um, it's I mean, more power to you, dude. Uh, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. I could sit down uh, at the couch and do you know long gaming sessions. I mean, I'm I'm more of a traditionalist. I need to have a good sturdy desk. I want to have it at the right height. You got to have a good chair, you know. And you know, for me, it's a separation thing. Like I I can go watch TV or play on a console. Uh, and that's all, you know, that's all controller based and, you know, relaxing and pretty much either long movie sessions, long gaming sessions. That's that's that type of thing. Uh, and then I play, you know, keyboard and mouse on my, you know, on uh, on my rig. And I want to push this rig as hard as I can and get as much out of it as I possibly can, because it's fucking expensive. And I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I get. I get the best I can out of it. Uh, Are you saying I can't do that with a television? Oh, no, I'm saying for me, it's just uh, that is uh, it. For me, it is a separation thing like that is relaxing. This is serious gaming. You can do serious gaming however you want to. Yeah, I'm not saying that your way of doing serious gaming is wrong. I'm just saying for me, I like to have a separation between the two. Um because I mean, eventually, I have worked on this machine, so this is serious business, and that's fun. You know, the the seventy inch in the you know in, in the main, you know, in, in the main cave area, uh, you know, just outside the studio. That's the fun, you know, fun bit. Now, if I could get some decent internet to actually, you know, take care of my, uh, you know, PlayStation Five download, so it doesn't take three days to download a fucking game, that'd be a little bit different, but. Uh, it does Netflix all right, I guess, uh, at the moment. And it's, yeah, you could do however you want to do. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dogging that. I think that your situation is a little unique where you choose to use your, uh, your TV as your main gaming console, you know, for literally everything. And, uh, I respect that. I mean, you make that, you know, you make that work. Uh, I am just too, you know, I'm too attached to wired keyboard, wired mouse, you know, you know, having, you know, having everything is, you know, quick and responsive and not have to fuck with batteries and any, any of that bullshit. Like I get pissed off when my Oculus controllers, you know, tell me that it's low battery because that's the only thing on my desk that uses batteries. <laughs> I just play something else at that point, but yeah. Speaking of games, though, um, well, you were serious gaming on your rig, and I was uh, casually gaming on my couch. I played a lot of Risk <laughs> okay. of Rain 2 um, this last week. Um, yeah, you got me, like, hey. sucked into that game. Yeah, fucking Risk of Rain 2 is, you know, I told you it's it, it just kind of, like, pulls you in. As, as soon as you figure out how to, like, you know how to start unlocking shit that way you can do some of the harder difficulties uh you know doing some successful runs on you know on drizzle is kind of key you know that allows you to do you know item unlocks character unlocks so that you can do more with 
you know, with your characters. Uh, and, you know, then you get better and better and you get longer, you know, go longer and longer. Fuck, I was playing a, you know, just finished a run uh, and I was using Huntress and I, it was like over an hour's worth of run. You know, when you first when you first started that game, you would probably get to like, you know, minute 20 or so and then it would just push your shit in. Um. And it did the same thing to me until I realized start with drizzle, move up from there. Uh, but there's so much to unlock in that game. Uh, it's simple yet entertaining. And I had never played it multiplayer. I'd, I'd always played that game single player. So, you know, we were going to sit down to do some dwarves, but we decided, well, let's give risk of, risk of rain two's multiplayer a shot and see, you know, see how that works out. Had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they we were using me a lot of fun with that. You were using me as a, uh, you know, uh, as a knowledge bank for the most, you know, for the most part. And I was, you know, making builds for, you know, yourself, m- you know, you and me and Jason when we were when we were playing triple and uh, I had to recall what things looked like based off of a description because I wasn't always there to look at things. So I was like, yeah, it doesn't tell you what the item is until you after, after you pick it up. And at that point it's yours. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, I, I've had a blast, especially with the, uh, you know, with the, uh, avoid DLC that came out with it that adds, you know, some really crazy, you know, interesting items. Uh, and it changes how you act to, you know, actively build your characters. So things that was random is less random or sing things that did AOE damage no, now does more single target damage and it changes how, uh, how items work. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more of the void items, uh, that had some, you know, give and take. Because right now all the void items are basically good, um, or you know, in some ways overpowered. But it's it makes for enjoyable runs because you can get you know you get one of those uh, those void items, and uh, that that really you can immediately tell you're more powerful. Like everything. You know, from the base game is kind of incremental. You can sense that you're getting a little bit more powerful, but as soon as you get a, you know, uh, the void ukulele or the, you know, plasma shrimp freaking, you know, missile launcher or something like that, you immediately know things just changed. Um, or the corrupted, uh, uh, the corrupted, you know, 57 leaf clover. Um, as soon as you get that and you move to another uh move to another stage and you end up with a bunch of fucking red items uh you know because it randomly upgrades your items and it can go all the way up to red you can have an inventory full of fucking red items which is good and bad is you don't have any speed items at that point like you don't have any run speed items um or escapes but you're way like you yeah you have you have all the special. It's if you haven't given Risk of Rain Tuna a shot, uh, or given it a uh, a really good shake, 
uh, if you've already got it, uh, try it on Drizzle uh, and go with Huntress and just go as far as you possibly can uh, and start to learn what each item does. If you stick with it, it gets easier and you you start to, you know, you start to see the possibility for builds, uh, you know, in a run and you know when to end a run. I mean, that game is basically you can go until the game kills you or uh, or you can go until you become bored of it. Uh, but you have multiple options to end your run so that you can start over, start fresh or get a, a new build or, you know, just, you know, check out for the day, you know. Um, so it's it's a it's a great game. Uh, and I highly suggest playing it multiplayer, too, you know, especially if somebody knows you know what they're doing because you do have to share items right um you know because when you pick up an item it goes just to that one character so if you know somebody that you know that has played that game uh they'd be able to do what i did was basically you know pick and choose a build like i would say i'm going fire this time you're going to go crit uh and anything that was fire based i'd go you know, I'd pick up and anything that was crit and speed based uh, would would go to, you know, to Justin. Uh, and that way, once something special comes around, you know, you know, some of the you know, some of the red items are good for, uh, you know, certain builds. Then we'd be like, yeah, I'll pick up this red item because that helps me with the, you know, with my AOE damage and you pick up the single target damage. I mean, we had one run where I had like a stupid amount of fucking fireworks, like 14 fucking fireworks or some bullshit. And I had the pocket ICBM, which, uh, which doubles or no, it, it adds two extra missiles for each missile that you send out. And the fireworks are considered a missile and it does extra damage for each missile. And all of the firework missiles track. And every time I opened up a, a, a box, it sent off like a, you know, a hundred fucking you <laughs> they know, rockets for like 20 seconds. Yeah, it was nuts. I would touch something and walk away and it would still be firing off rockets by the time I got to the next thing. Like I would, I'd clear maps with, you know, just by opening boxes. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> we had a lot get, of fun with risk of rain too. I'd, yeah, I'd be open to playing more of it. Honestly, it's it's just a, it's a way better game than I gave it credit for. Yeah, it's you know it's it's simple, but it has uh, it has its um, it has its joy factor. Like you can really you know get into that game. Um, I want some more multiplayer games. I'm just happy that I can play multiplayer with the shit internet. Um. There was a little bit of lagging, but eh. it wasn't game breaking. It wasn't game breaking. Like we were still able to complete runs and stuff. But that'll be hopefully, you know, hopefully that will be fixed here soon. Um, but yeah, risk green too. Give it a try, man. Yeah, I uh, to go over some shorter, at least one shorter topic before I jump into one that's a little bit longer. Um. I played a little bit of Metal Health Singer. It's on Game Pass right now. Yeah, that's the um, beat-driven Doom-like, right? Yeah, I still cannot quite get my rhythm right with that game. 
and that's that's <clears throat> saying something from a person who you know, who just spent you know a good you know fifteen minutes or so talking about how uh, he likes his music. I do, and but it's it's pairing that with combat that I'm having a hard time with because you got to click to the basically the four or the one. Mm-hmm. So you click to the one, and that builds up your combos. Um, everything in theory is great. Like maybe I'll give it a really hard college try instead of spending an hour on it and then giving up again. This is basically what I did. I couldn't beat the boss because I just couldn't quite get my timing down right. And I calibrated. It's got a whole calibration thing, so you can calibrate um, anything that's like it'll have a flash that's also part of the cue for you to swing your sword or shoot your gun or whatever, right? right. I can't get the timing down on the shotgun. I don't understand it. Is it the shot plus the break plus the reload animation? It's all on a beat that you got to get to get the combo, keep keep the combo going? I don't know. But there's enough... Even with me calibrating it, I guess there's enough latency where I'm just not wrapping my head around how to do it on the four. It's weird, too, because it's all 4-4 metal, which is, it's cool. But it's not usually the type of stuff I normally listen to. Right. Um, so it, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me of uh, BPM or Bullets Per Minute. Um, I haven't played that. It's, that game is very red. Um, <laughs> just, just look up, uh, I mean, if you haven't heard of it, BPM, uh, Bullets Per Minute is... I mean, if you look at the screenshots for it, almost every one of them is red or a shade of orange. Um, <laughs> but uh, the uh, the target reticle for uh, for that is, you know, basically the same thing. It's like two chevrons and it moves towards the center of the screen. And as soon as it hits, um, the music is, so you know, you know music's supposed to be on beat with it hitting the, you know, the middle chevrons. Um, so if the the problem i had with you know with guns you know you know games like this is i like rhythm games i really do but a doom game you basically want you know you're basically wanting to you know shoot whenever not when it's convenient you know so you know or on a you know on a time you know on any kind of time you d- you don't want to you know hold your bullet if something's coming at you, your your gut reaction is to pull that trigger. You know, ever that's, if you've played Doom or that's what I feel like I'm fighting now. It's got a very overwhelmingly positive rating on Steam right now. So there's obviously people that are really it's clicking with, right? Right. But for some reason, it's just not clicking with me. Um, and I decided that I was going to wait again because I wasn't having fun. Um, yeah. I want to give it a try. Um, it's one of those things where I'd have to actually sit, you know, let it download for uh, for a period of time. It's not a big game. Um, I think it's like three gigs. Uh, it says uh, twelve and a quarter gigs on uh, oh. on it's on Game Pass. So you know, for the price of Game Pass, I can I can afford to give it a you know give it a shot. Yeah, download it in uh, bed. Is the uh, is the music you know, you know, relatively decent? That's a weird thing. In your opinion, me. um, 
I it's mean, all bands. Have... It's all bands that I don't like particularly well. <laughs> so maybe that's part of the problem okay. too. Not a big Nightwish fan, which is uh, actually did most of the music for the band or for the game. I like some of the vocalists. I think uh, the vocalist from Ginger's there. The vocalist from Trivium's there. Um, it's a little bit more. Oh, here we go down subgenre lane. It's a little more right. metalcore than I like. Um, I call it Chad metal. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. But Nightwish isn't a Chad metal band, but they're doing Chad metal for the. They're doing a lot of metal in four four. Um. So and they have to have the right timing for it. So yeah, this would not be something that. Yeah, like the what. You couldn't do anything out with any kind of odd time signature with this game. It would like completely throw you the fuck off unless you were following the one or maybe they do that for the harder stuff. But I bet you I bet you that bothered the crap out of Surge though. because uh, you know Surge, Surge is on there. down is I mean, one of their one of their hallmarks for their songs is the fact that they've got like four or five timings in their songs. Yeah, I think he's in there yet. Yeah. System of a Down is Got an incredible drummer. Um, there's a uh, – this is super random. So I watch some, like, YouTube-like drummer guys, right? So there's uh, Samus66, and he was reviewing this guy that goes by the Groove Father. And the uh, the Groove Father can play all of the System of Down stuff with one stick. Um, and so he does, like and, – and stuff much, much harder than System of Down, like some incredibly hard stuff. But he does it all with one hand. Um, and we'll frequently say, look up the Groove Father sometime. It's some pretty insane stuff. Like he does, not a huge Slipknot fan. I really respect the drummer, Joy, Joey Jordanson, a lot. Um, he can play everything that Joey Jordanson did with one hand, which is pretty nuts. Um, he typically does like the more popular heavy stuff, but like it's all the really difficult popular heavy stuff that he can do. Mm-hmm. And I think he's from like South America or something. I don't know, but he does these crazy videos. This guy, he's, he's got two hands. When you watch him play with both hands, it's fucking nuts. But he does rudiments with one hand. Um, anyways, this is way off topic, but yeah, Metal Hill Singer <laughs> um, is uh, an interesting game, um, to say the least. I uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm at with it, right? Yeah, for, so there's a lot for of the price that, of Game Pass, you can try it. Yeah, just give it a shot. If you don't like like shouty or growly metal stuff, then it'll probably piss you off, and it won't be something you like. But it does got a fairly good groove. I'll give it that, even though it's Chad metal. Um, <laughs> one of my best friends is in Chad metal band. Um, but anywho, um. The other game I was going to talk about is I finally got my hands on um, Tiny Tina. I, I did it through a Green Man deal. So oh, yeah. I got it for $27, which I felt was like the right price, price to give it a try. I was just in the mood for a looter shooter, and I wasn't playing, sneaking around a lot with Metal Gear. Not that I was having a bad time with it, but I was looking at Green Man. And I was like, I'm in the mood for a Borderlands game. And I still don't know how I feel about it. So there's some crazy weird performance issues with that game. Um, it's, uh, yeah. It does not like DX12 on my machine. So it's not that I get an unstable frame rate, but like randomly the whole screen will just turn green and stay green the whole time. 
Sometimes my mini map will glitch out into like ones and zeros. Um, sometimes my uh, like the text description will have all these like white dots in the middle of it. Like it's just like flipping out my graphics card. So I finally said, fuck it. I'm just going to brute force this. Apparently it runs worse in DX11, but I've got a pretty beefy rig. So I was just like, fuck it. I'll just brute force it in DX11 and see if I get the same performance. I don't, you know, I'm not dropping frames or anything, but, um, you know, there's a slight degradation in quality. And then after a while I got used to it, but DX11 does not have the crazy issues that DX12 does. Like sometimes it would go to a cutscene and the screen would just turn white and I'd have the interface, but everything else would be white and I'd have to turn the game off and turn it back on, uh, to restart, to get it, to reload everything. Uh, the, the problem with DX11 is it's got texture pop issues. So you get a lot more texture pop with it, which is annoying, but it smooths itself out after you loot into a scene after a few moments. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, those are just some really – did you experience any issues like that? I didn't have any problems with it. That's And that's what I'm uh, what I'm looking at right now because, like, I want to say that I was playing it in DX12. Um, and I didn't have any problems. I never had it glitch out like you were, you were describing. I never had it actually crash or anything. Those, there's people that have uh, have had issues with it. Um, I did read somewhere, uh, there's, if you're running a, uh, a current driver, uh, like you, if you got an NVIDIA graphics card, if you're running a current driver, there was some, you know, some kind of glitch with, the uh, with the most recent drivers. So you might, you know, roll back your, uh, your driver one. I'm not going to roll back my driver. Fuck it. I'm just going to play through this game and then in dx11 and just call it good it's i mean at this point you, you might as well i i played through that entire game i i played through uh tiny Tina wonders uh tiny Tina's wonderlands uh, and i finished it months ago like i finished I, it some of the humor is just not landed for me and uh, I, and i think that's part of the issue and then yeah I don't like the random encounters because it's like so far it's been the same four maps for the random encounters every time. Yeah. And that's kind of bullshit. And it took me a, so I don't know if I picked the wrong class, but I picked Clawbringer. Yeah. You picked the wrong class. (laughs) And I've had to figure out how to make that class work for me. Um, So I got a corrosive build or like mm-hmm. just an elemental build is what I'm focusing everything on is elemental damage. I don't know how to build my character. I didn't want to spend a lot of extra time looking at build guides. So I've just been kind of doing it by feel, but I mean, I finally got it to a point where I had the same problem with, I did with three with not finding any good guns for a while that like kind of wrapped around my build at mm-hmm. all. And then I finally found some, you know, there's still guns, even though they got crossbow shit on it. But, um, found some weapons that worked pretty well with him um, to where it felt like I'm finally at a point where I found a piece of armor that leeches health every time I attack. So I don't have to use the health leech gun as part of my build. Um, and then I'm using like a saw blade gun, kind of like a shotgun. And then I'm using a, uh, it shoots, it looks like a stream of corrosion out. I'm using an SMG that basically just like sucks down enemies health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a fire SMG. So I'm, I've got rock and two SMGs and then 
but it's the uh, been times have been incredibly bored playing it, and then times that have been actually having fun. And the the difficulty spike like sways all over the map. Like it, it just doesn't feel as balanced. And I feel like I'm playing loot roulette a lot. Like I feel like I'm spending almost a third of my time managing my inventory. Yeah. Um, so I've just decided I'm just not going to pick up white weapons. I just I want to maximize my money, but then I realize the only thing I'm using my money for is to buy more slots for more items, um, and more ammo for SMGs. Um, right. I do like some of the weapon combos. Like I got a pistol that shoots three shots, kind of like a mortar. Um, and they're corrosive shots and they all hit for the same amount of damage as my sniper rifle does each individual shot. So it, it lobs twice and then it reloads. So I found a, like a, an item that reduces my reload speed with pistols and it looks pretty, yeah. it looks pretty decent. And like I said, there's parts of that game I really like, and there's parts of that game that just really fall flat. Like it's a B game so far. Out of the Borderlands. It's, it's not as bad as the prequel. The prequel was pretty, the one where you had to like always manage your oxygen, which was just dumb. And then uh, <laughs> it might be better but, than three. I didn't but like But you could butt stomp in that game. You can still stomp in this. It's a slam. Right, right. <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't, I hated the prequel. Um, the prequel is the uh, absolute worst one. Yeah, I hated the prequel. It was it was it was bad. Um, I hated the I, antagonist in three. Yeah, and everybody this did. is, and this is funnier than three. Three just fell flat on so many different. I'd never got any of the DLC. I never wanted to touch it again. I uninstalled it. I just I'm done with three. Right, same. But even so, though I own all the DLC for it, I won't touch it again. Yeah, but I, to me, still it's like. Two one and then Tiny Tina is about where it's landing for me. So it's better than the last two that have released, in my opinion. But it's still got some weird issues, and I, I don't know where where to put it yet. Uh, apparently, it's only about twenty ish hours long. Is that right? Uh, I I spent a little bit more time on it just because I was looking for like map secrets and you know unlocking a bunch of shit. But if you mainline the story, you can. You can get through it pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I've been trying to find the side quests in the uh, for the different side areas, so I've been focusing on those. the The antagonist is, you know, your basic antagonist, and I'm fine with that. And I like the what they did with the butt stallion stuff, and at least Gearbox recognizes that, that was pretty funny. Tiny right. Tina's performance, uh, the 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 person that does that, it's does as good as she ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's genuinely some funny shit that happens with that. Um, I do like that your character, well, your character was voiced in all the other ones too. I feel like the story was a little bit more solid with two and one though, than it has been with these latest installments. I, I, it's kind of like the, the franchises just went on too long and they're out yeah. of ideas. And I like the fact that I'm playing more Borderlands and it's new Borderlands. So there's that going for it. But, I'm also just not all in. Like I'll probably play more today, but like there was a couple times today, and I don't know if it's because I didn't sleep well, but I got pretty tired playing it, and I was just like, I'm gonna put this down and do something around the house for a minute. Right. And when when housework starts to be more appealing than the game, you're you're thinking, man, 
It's the Risk of Rain's a better game. <laughs> so is right. Metal Gear. The, the 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 thing with Tiny Tina's Borderlands for me, um, I hated almost all of the options for guns. Like the shotguns genuinely suck in this one. Uh th- the assault rifles don't have as much punch when you can do more damage with an SMG, you know, why are you picking up assault rifles? Uh, the pistols are sometimes overpowered and sometimes they're just dog shit. And I hate the bullet drift on the, uh, you know, on the crossbow pistols. Uh, those just piss me off. Like I could be head on with, you know, with something, but I've got to shoot, over their forehead for the freaking you know for the bullet drop because it drops like three feet you know after three feet it feels kind of like your shirt shooting a nerf gun it Uh, does and it doesn't feel appealing to me like i i don't i don't like that that bit at all and i mean i played through all i mean I, i completed the game uh i found some of the legendary you know stuff uh, and you tend you tend to like start you know once you complete that game genuinely what you genuinely what you do is you go uh, farm for you know for your legendary guns and you know and stuff like that and those are supposed to feel special. Well, each one of those was basically just a gimmick of that kind of gun, uh, and it didn't feel really special. It had the same problem as Borderlands 3 did with their special guns. Like, there wasn't anything that was truly, like, you know, super overpowered. There were some really good guns, and there is a really good, uh, or at least there was at one point, a, a really good freeze pistol that just, it just destroyed things because you never ran out of bullets. Um, You know, as long as you were hitting crits, you were uh it would reload the magazine um yeah i mean the i think i got a decent element i paired him with sporomancer i guess was what it was i wasn't gonna pay any mm-hmm. money for dlc because i wasn't liking it enough to do any of that and then the reviews for the dlc are like fucking crazy bad because yeah. it apparently just unlocks classes in a, a an area for you to grind um, for 10 bucks so i uh <laughs> There's like four of them, so it's pretty pretty abysmal business practice by Gearbox. But the uh, like I said, I, I like a, I might have gotten the wrong class, but I don't know why I picked it either. I was like, that sounds neat. That's what I'm gonna pick. And then I'm not. I don't have the wherewithal for me to go back through the game right now and pick something else after putting 13 hours into it. Right, right. I did. Um. Uh, Stabomancer and uh, Stabomancer and uh, uh, Spore Warden. Yeah, Spore so, Warden is my second class, and I'm trying to maximize my poison damage. Yeah. Uh. So I mean, Stabomancer was you know basically big on crits and stuff like that. So I was like. I decided to go with that. The The melee weapons are just kind of bleh, meh. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not using the melee portion. He does a, a Thor attack where he throws his hammer and it creates a bubble of damage 
and then you can recall it, and then anything in its path will also take damage. So, and then I've got him spec'd for elemental damage and tankiness, essentially. So everything I get, I'm trying to get elemental damage on so that I can just get consistent damage with it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like a B game. It's, but I, I guess I just wanted something that felt like, uh, I really wish there was another Bioshock out. Well, and that's I mean, kind give of, it some time. That's kind of the closest you're going to get. Oh, they got System Shock coming out sometime soon. Well, give it some time because you know, Atomic Heart will come out eventually. Um, and I mean, I've been, I, I really like my looter shooters. I really do. I, I want a really good one. Like I wanted Outriders to be really, really good, and it is just okay. Um, it's very okay. It's the okayest uh, of okay games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, they released liked... a big DLC for it, but I don't know that I want to spend forty bucks on it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the DLC really does for me, though. I um, think they redid the whole fucking game. They made a really big deal out of it. There was a lot of announcements on it. I still have. It came out in June, and Outriders like burned me that hard that I was like, I don't know if I want to play this because it got really fucking broken towards the end. To where it was like you had to do insane damage to keep up. Um, yeah, and you had to have like you had to have specific, legendary guns and very specific builds tied to weapons. I like builds that are more organic, where it's like these are. If you have these characteristics on your weapons, then this works. And I, I think that's a way more organic way to play a game. I hate when it's like like Destiny, right? Like you getting this specific gun and using it in this specific way. To maximize your DPS or whatever. I I like stuff that's like, okay, well, just why I'm kind of playing this organically too and not trying to find a build guide. Like, I want to just be able to like, I want elemental damage and I really like uh, corrosive damage. So I'm going to base this around corrosive with a secondary of fire because he's got fire bonuses and a second, I guess, a tertiary of uh, lightning because every time something hits me, they get shocked. So... Right. And then I do shock damage with the hammer. So it's been a weird, I don't know. Like if if I can find I can do that in this game without getting a build guide to get through the game, then I'll be more happy with that than I was with is it out, out, Outlanders, Outriders, Outriders. Outriders, yeah. But yeah. go ahead. Just a good looter shooter. I just want another good looter shooter that's not not a games as a service game. Um, you know, that, that's what I want to stay away from. I want a good, you know, so like if they did another, uh, oh, what the fuck was that? Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, Uh, characters setting the, the, man, and I'm, I'm looking through my list. You know, not destiny. Uh, no, not destiny. The other one that you know that you and I played through, uh, that was post-apocalyptic. Oh, uh, remnant. Remnant from the ashes. If they did, uh, the if they did a excellent. bigger remnant from the ashes, if they if if they you know did that, I like that game because it had the ability to do builds plus it had skill shots, like. 
Shit, we you had to be another, good we, at the game. We could do another remnant run. Yeah, I mean, remnant from the ashes was fun. Uh, if the, if there was another remnant from the ashes, it's enough of a looter shooter that you know it's not necessarily looter shooter in the same sense as like a Borderlands, where you're like just over, you know you know just overwhelmingly fucking you know throw guns at you until you you know the number generator is right. Um, no, you get a this was. You get something from every boss that you beat. Right. This is something that you, you know, it's Souls-like in the sense that you get, you know, uh, you get a a weapon or something from, you know, from beating a boss. And then if you like it, you can upgrade it and do more damage and do better things with it. I mean, Remnant, you know, Remnant was fine, but it for me, it was a little short. Um, So if there was a bit more to that game uh you know and they did another one of those i'd be perfectly happy uh, i didn't like uh, i didn't like the idea of the prequel that the i know there's a prequel for it um but i like the gunplay from remnant from the ashes go figure yeah the uh but, remnant's an excellent game it just had good it had good bones mm-hmm. wrapped with uh with a trash bag um, <laughs> but it had really good bones they understood what people were going for. Yeah. And I think it was actually slept on a little bit. Um, so if you haven't tried it, you know, give that a go. It's, it's actually, you know, quite fun. It is fun. Uh, it's, it's a little bit better with, uh, with other players. Uh, but it is still fun to play, you know, solo. Um, and while the, uh, the, the story's kind of, you know, weird and pokey in a way, uh, you just it's just good fun and you you can play through multiple runs of that and uh because things are you know a bit randomly generated you can run into different things on you know on subsequent runs so i mean that might be something we could play well i think we should probably take a break and figure out what we want to do for news and then get back to sure so guys we're going to take a quick break And we will be back. And we're back. Been uh, going going through the, the news here with uh there's 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 been some announcements um there's some quite there's about a quite a bit of news actually this week that's uh we didn't even have that's to dig been into, announced yeah we didn't even have to dig into reddit this is uh we had nintendo direct and uh, playstation state of play happening at the same time so yeah. quite a bit of stuff here as far as releases some of these more major than others of course, me locking in on all the weird shit because that's what I'm into. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you know what I thought was funny though. So the the, uh, the switch has limited power, right? I mean, it's primarily a a mobile machine, and it's right. been out for a while. So Resident Evil um, Village, right, is not runnable on Switch, but they're using the cloud to power it. So that people can right. play it. Um, 
and they're going to have the cloud version of that coming on October 28th. But you can actually try a demo right now. So you also get Resident Evil 7 as well as Resident Evil 2 and 3 via the cloud, which is interesting okay. for the Switch because that means that you need to be on Wi-Fi because there's not a mobile service you can buy for it, right? Uh, you could uh, you could hotspot your phone, I guess. Um, but if the, you've got hotspot, you know, capabilities on your phone. Yeah, but you'd have to have a pretty powerful connection to run something off the cloud through a hotspot. And you would think um, it's probably it's probably on par with uh, uh, with watching something in, you know, high definition uh, on your phone. Well, I found because I played when they first I'm an early adopter of uh, the uh Game Pass Cloud, right? I don't use it anymore, but when I was working on site and not working from home, so been doing this for about three years, um, and just recently stopped because I had no use case for it. But I was playing stuff like Gears of War on my phone, and then sometimes it'd be amazing, and then sometimes it would just like completely dip out. Um, but it was always it was more of like just the incredulity of just looking at my phone who's playing this off a server with my Xbox gamepad with one of those phone cradler things. Right. Right. And just being like, this is actually working, but this it wasn't, is, this is the future. Yeah. But it wasn't consistent because I didn't have a fast enough connection. So I guess we'll I see. That's the problem. Yeah. I guess we'll see what that's like, but it was, it is pretty interesting that they are going that route. And I wonder if Nintendo uses that as a test case to see how viable that is. Um, for future use cases for their their machine, right? Like maybe they make something that's like pretty low weight that can play stuff like Stardew Valley and, you know, Zelda and all that other shit while still being able to play more of a AAA title off a streaming platform so that they can still get a lot of the third-party titles, you know? Right. Well, if they go any, you know, if they went a little bit bigger on their, uh, uh, on their uh, performance, like the hardware itself, I think you're starting to get into, you know, you might as well just have a fucking laptop on your, you know, on your lap at that point. Or um, a Steam Deck, because the Steam Deck is incredibly versatile right now. Right. People and, playing God of and, War on their fucking Steam Deck at 30 FPS. Hey, if that's your thing, that's I've never crazy. had a big use case for, uh, you know, for handhelds. That's, that's my thing. Like if I'm out and about the, the last thing I'm going to want to do, uh, is, you know, is pull out a, you know, a handheld game. There's, you know, there's a couple of use cases for me. So there are times where I'm working, but not working. And I'm going to say this like this. So occasionally there's a situation where I have to be available and buy my machine and ready to respond, but may not get a response for a couple of hours. So sometimes that I work on my off days to do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And all I'm there is a standby leadership figure in case shit breaks. But I'm not really, I mean, sometimes I'll do things so that I'm way ahead for the next week, right? But sometimes it's literally like, hey, so like Labor Day, right? I sat in here and didn't do a lot of anything. But the closest I I was running Steam Deck off my uh, and running Game Pass off my Steam or off my Steam Deck off my tablet, um, through through a uh, Steam Link, right? 
Right. And Steam Link's still a little bit finicky in cases like that, but it would have been nice to have just been sitting here watching all the shit, right, with a Steam Deck and just kind of chilling with the Steam Deck while I'm doing that, right? Or sometimes I want to watch a movie where I'll listen to comedy, right, on Netflix, and I'm not, it's something I'm passively doing where I want to see that screen, but I might want to play a turn-based RPG. So, like, those types of scenarios are kind of where I'd probably use a Steam Deck. Um, right. Well, I I have even less of a use for that. Um, I mean, in the past, when I was, you know, when I was working in, you know, in IT, yeah, I had downtime situations where I basically was doing the same thing. I didn't ha- necessarily have uh, a thing to do, but I had to be available. So, it was, you know... It could get, you know, kind of boring, but most of the time I'd fill that spot, you know, that stuff in with, you know, things that I could pick up and put down very quickly uh, so that I didn't run into a a situation where I was in the middle of something and I couldn't pause it. Or if there was a cutscene I was going to miss because I got a phone call or or some bullshit. Right. Uh, And I and I'd find myself more and more in those situations where I don't necessarily have. Uh, a set amount of downtime. I just have bits and pieces, and most of the time, I just you know I'm flipping through uh, Facebook or something like that. But I can't really bring myself to play a game like Zelda, for instance. Um, you know, on a handheld, and be able just to like stop what I'm doing, and you go do the thing, and then come back to it. Uh, it that just it it bothers me. On a, on a level that is hard to describe, like I don't I don't like putting things down. If I'm if I'm setting time uh, aside to game, I want to focus on that game. Uh, so for me, yeah, I own a Switch. The last time I turned it on was just after I got up to the Northlands, just to show my buddy that I have a Switch, uh, and that's about it. And it's been sitting. It's been sitting on its dock for, you know, this entire time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so this, the Switch is is kind of hit and miss. It's got to be a really good game for me to be able to, you know, to play it. And I'm really looking for, like, games that are uh, that are Nintendo specific, like the Zeldas. I mean, I, I played uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. I played it all the way through, beat the game. Uh, it was, you know, connected to my TV. That's the only way I was able to play it is if I, you know, if I connected it to the TV and just used the controllers, um, I wouldn't have been, I couldn't play that game, you know, handheld. It, it bothers me. So, well, I'm even thinking about like my steam deck for my bedroom once the dock comes out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I can just put it on the dock and then play in my room on the big screen. Right. Right. It's, Instead it, of at that streaming. point, it feels kind of like an NVIDIA shield. Right. Which I'm totally down for. Right. Totally. Yeah. But let's let's take a look at, you know, take a look at the news since we're uh, we're already touching on Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo had a Nintendo Direct that came out um, in the last week. And any sp- uh, specific highlights that really stood out to you? For me, uh, I think the the biggest ones that you know that popped out for me uh was 
they're they're moving a bunch of stuff onto the switch uh so those games that you know games that had already released somewhere else uh like endless dungeon and uh tales of symphonia and you know fall guys those there's a bunch of games that are basically moving to the switch factorio is one of them that kind of stood out for me in, in that category um but as far as like you know new games there's a couple that popped up uh one of them was uh nintendo is going to be doing uh kind of like an emulated version for, of the nintendo 64 days so there so there's some some games from the nintendo 64 era that you're going to be able to play including goldeneye 007 um and because it's being emulated on the switch it's going to have online multiplayer so that's kind of a big deal uh for goldeneye 007 because it was always couch co-op you know like the four squares on the screen right you know where you know you're sharing one television um was it odd job that you could play where he was short enough that everybody had to aim down yes no you know you know uh uh slaps only no odd job uh was was the it was melee only and you can't play as the shortest character uh (laughs) Right. Um, it's a very distinct advantage. Yeah, for me it was uh uh man with a golden gun. Uh yeah, the so one shot, it, one shot. If, yep, you had one shot uh and you had to hit. Uh and it would a- automatically kill, but if you hit your shot, you got another bullet. Um so uh if you missed with your golden you know gun, golden gun shot then you had to melee somebody to get your uh get your bullet back uh the problem I is remember, who you're going to play with though right right i mean so you know the uh you know the online multiplayer thing is a big you know, big deal cuz obviously the original game didn't have uh, online capabilities uh, and because it's emulated, they're going to be able to do that. So you'll have separate screens. You'll be able to, you know, to play a multiplayer match that way. Um, and if you have friends that have, uh, you know, a switch, that might be fun. Um, you know, the big thing with couch co-op was you only needed to have one machine, just multiple controllers is all, um, you know, so that's a thing. But on top of that, there was. Uh, there was news of Goldeneye 007, you know, uh, being remastered. Uh, see, uh, that was uh, uh, that was being remastered for the Xbox. Yeah, I saw that. It might so, be even if it's on PC Game Pass. Right. So <laughs> when that actually. <laughs> Yeah, so with the uh, with the remaster, there is no online multiplayer. It's only going to be couch co-op. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense, but in because they are basically building the game from the ground up again uh, for the uh, you know for the remaster, they're not emulating the original game. 
So while the 007 on Xbox is going to look better, it's going to have, you know, better frame rate and, you know, better, you know, uh, you know, 4K resolution, all that stuff, right? It's because it's not the original game. They couldn't, you know, they didn't do anything with the uh, with the multiplayer for it. And that became a big stink, you know, uh, stink because both of, you know, both of those things were announced about the same time you know the the switch version and the xbox version and that they're not going to be the same um so it's 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 interesting for me i want goldeneye 007 to stay in the past i want to look back on that game and be able to remember the times where i went over to my buddy's place and we got into you know full-on fucking fist fights because you know, somebody was fucking screen peeking or some bullshit and, and and all of the shenanigans that happened because of GoldenEye 007. That was just that was part of my, ch- you know, part of growing up. Uh, I don't want to see it remastered because I think it's perfectly fine, you know, in, in that, you know, black and white gray area in the back of my head. You know, <laughs> I want to be able to think of it, you know, if, think of it in the past and not want to see how rough that game actually would be with, you know, with what I know about computers and, you know, and, you know, game design and stuff like that from, you know, from today's age. So I'll keep the, the rose colored glasses on that. I will not be playing either version of GoldenEye 007. Um, but that was one of the things that, you know, that stood out for me. Uh, there was another thing from the Nintendo direct. That there's going to be a sequel to Octopath Traveler. Um, uh, yeah, I have some thoughts on that cause I've been playing Octopath a little bit and then I kind of ran into something that really kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit playing that game. I realized I started with thief and got through the first part of the thief story and then went and got the huntress. And I was like, so am I just going to go recruit characters? Like, what's the end game here? And I was talking with my buddies that have played this extensively. And they're like, yeah, you basically play all their stories and then you play a quest for an NPC at the end. And then none of my friends who are huge into JRPGs ever finished it. And I was like, well, that's pretty eye-opening. Like, yeah, the, the combat mechanics are great, but the the story like just turns to trash by the end. And at that point, you feel like you wasted a lot of time. So like, I'm don't know if I really want it. And then when my buddy was looking at it, he's like, it really just looks like Octopath again with mm-hmm. literally eight more characters to recruit. And maybe they go with the same formula, which I don't think was necessarily a good idea. Well, I didn't necessarily like, you know, I played through Octopath Traveler. I didn't play all the way through the end, through to the end. So I'm part of the same group. For me, it was, yeah, the character stories are interesting, you know, to a point, but, they're finite uh and then they just basically get recruited into you know into the group and then what you do, you know what i ended up doing was i ended up fucking like grinding I, f- I felt like there was a point where i ended up having to grind um and grinding in a jrpg doesn't feel great at, at, ever um it did when you had no video games to play and it gave you something to do but nowadays well, i'm sick of it Right, right. Like I remember going back and you know, back in time, back to the Super Nintendo area, you know, playing Final Fantasy three, uh, and Chrono Trigger, and I, you know, I, I played the shit out of those games. But I didn't have 
you know, I didn't have money for myself to go buy any more games. So I had to make the most out of each one of those games. That's not necessarily true for me now. And there's way more games out there coming out all the time uh, that's stealing attention away from me. So I don't want to spend a, a fuckload of time grinding on, you know, on a game, unless it's Final Fantasy 14. I know you guys are going to uh, point that shit out. Um, but I, I genuinely like the story of Final Fantasy 14. So, eh. um, but for me, Octopath Traveler 2, while it stood out, and I like the I like the art, you know, art style that they, you know, that they went with with uh, Octopath Traveler. It did, it did hit different because it reminded me of, you know, like the Chrono Trigger days. Um, but, you know, and it's just way prettier. But I'm not sure about Octopath Traveler too. Uh, I'll I'll have to give Octopath Traveler another go to see whether or not I'm going to be interested in picking up Octopath Traveler 2. And again, being on Switch, it's probably going to be like low on the uh on the priority list for me anyway. Um let's see. The there was uh, a take on uh Fist of the North Star which was <laughs> which was kind of funny if you watch the, you know, watch the video for it. It's a fitness game. Uh no. It's like it's it's a fitness game. It's kind of like Dance Dance Revolution, only with boxing. Um, <laughs> it's the worst way that they could, uh, worst direction they could have gone with uh, Fist of the North Star, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it being a little bit anime-ish anyway, so it was, uh, it it could have gone in, uh, in so many different ways, but they made it a, a boxing game. I, I don't know. Um, but the big reveal, of course, you know, they saved it right for the freaking end of, you know, of this was, uh, uh, the new Legend of Zelda, uh, it's Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and that is actually coming out. They gave us a, uh, a release date for that. It's coming out May 12th next year. Uh, and they didn't show a bunch in in there as far as a trailer is concerned. I mean, you get to see, you know, you get to see, you know, Link running around and uh, and you and you know, you get to see him, you know, jump off and use a, uh, you know, uh, use a glider thing. And the world looks about as big, if not a little bit bigger than Breath of the Wild, which is still saying something because the Breath of the Wild, you know, the Breath of the Wild. Uh, map is actually pretty large um i think the general consensus for me is if they make it a legend of zelda game and not a collect your uh collect weapons game then i'll be fine with it they need to do away with the weapon durability you know from the first game completely and go with something different uh you know for you know, for the you know, weapons management, because, oh, my God, I mean, the worst feeling was, you know, getting the Master Sword finally after doing all the stuff that you needed to do the Master Sword and then be able to hit like seven times with it before it just it goes and it's now depowered. Excuse me. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
uh, and now it hits worse than a fucking you know wooden stick, um, or having to uh, or having to actually get multiple freaking shields because your shields break. What? I mean, the whole thing about the Highland Shield was the fact that it was like the best shield, right? So, you know, it's everything about the durability system from the you know from the first game needs to be thrown out the window and completely forgotten about. If they can do that. And then capture a you know a decent Zelda story, uh you know you know in this you know in this game, great. You know I love the puzzles from Zelda. I love you know the you know the traversal from you know from the game because climbing up stuff was genuinely fun. Um, it's just you know everything about the durability just needs to go. So that was a big, you know, that was a big reveal. We'll see, well, we'll probably see more in coming months as they release more, you know, more details. The biggest question was durability. Uh, so we don't, we don't know anything about that yet. So Nintendo Direct was, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other games like Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, it Takes Two's coming to their Fatal Frame. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming in there. I would look at, look into, you know, into the in-depth coverage for uh, for the the Nintendo Direct, if that's if that's your bag. Yeah, um, I didn't. I still didn't see enough to make me want to buy a Switch. So I'm still it, I'm still living in the in a world of a person who plays a lot of video games and doesn't have a Switch. And and I think there's a lot of people like that right now. Um, you know, oh, Band of the, Three. Yeah, and that was Endless Dungeon, not Dungeon the Endless. And I have, I talked about that earlier this year um, when I played the uh, the alpha event for it. It looks right. like it'll be neat, but it's still got a ways to go. I think what was more interesting to me was some of the stuff that was in on the state of play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, one that really kind of tickled my fancy, despite the fact there was a lot of other stuff that also looks really good, was we were talking about it earlier. It was a game called Pacific Drive. Yes. And it's a driving survival game where it looks like you're trying to survive the elements of like a very screwed up world where it's like (laughs) where there are weird supernatural events happening around you and you're trying to escape them in your mobile shelter. Um, It's kind of hard to describe as other than it looked like you're in kind of like a heavily modified 80s station wagon. Yeah, um, driving through and dodging like acid pools and lava and all sorts of other stuff, and it just looked weird and supernatural and cool. And I'm very and it's run based too, so I guess you're trying to see how long you can survive. And I'm pretty down for something like that. It's something new and interesting that's nobody is doing. There's right. there's not even a genre for this other than survival driving which is not a genre until that right um it's it's, it struck uh, struck me as you know unique enough to stand out uh but i want to see more uh you know more from that game to see because it's coming it's coming from a, a new studio um but the new studio is is made up uh what's the studio's name again Ironwood Studios, and I think you said Insomniac was the one that really stood out for me. Yeah. Um, and some other studios as well. Yeah, so there was, it's, 
made up of veterans from a bunch of different studios and, and includes some vets from Bungie and it includes some vets from, you know, a bunch of other places. Um, but it's their first, it's the first game coming out of that studio. So we got to see a little bit more uh, other than just the trailer yeah, uh, to be able to tell. And I don't know who it is, to be honest with you. So, right. So it looks, it looks very cool. All I know is um, it's not Ken Levine, so I can expect it to not be pretentious. <laughs> All right. Uh, but there's, there's been, uh, there was other stuff made, you know, uh, in the state of play. Uh, you know, PlayStation does pretty go all out with a bunch of stuff. The one, uh, one of the ones that stood out for me was uh, Rise of the Ronin. Yeah, uh, it's been done by Team Ninja, right? Yep, that's from Team Ninja. So they developed, you know, Neo and uh, a bunch of others. Yeah. And uh, it shows it, it actually follows along a uh, you know a, a similar vein of things. Now it's going to be a 2024 release, so this is this is still a ways out. Um, but it follows the same time period as uh, another game we'll talk about, uh, where it's right around the time of the fall of the uh, the samurai. Uh, so. So there's samurai and there's guns. Uh, so it's it's a it's a very interesting time period because it's kind of like the end of the Wild West for America. Um, right, the end of an you know, era. So and it is an end of an era. Is I guess is this is when Japan was starting industrialization, wasn't it? Yeah, it was starting industrialization. It ha- ended up with uh, a lot of uh, Western influences, and you know uh, the the whole idea of a Ronin samurai, you know, with a you know a katana and a pistol, uh, and that's it's it looks very interesting. It's also very over the top. It like has some. Uh, it looked like it had some, you know, magic going on with it too. Um, you know, drawing from like the, uh, you it know, like, like to like me, that. like a mix of like Neo and Assassin's Creed and something else. It looks phenomenal, but I've got a yeah, lot of faith in it Team Ninja. Really great. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I mean, we only got a, a, a quick look at that and of it's course like it's red dead you know, samurai still a ways out <laughs> yeah still a ways out but it looks like it would be a fun game i've liked you know like after i played um uh what was it another fucking samurai game um one of our games of the one of our top games of 2020 yeah but me and names remember I have i'm having a hard time with, with it too yeah it was a playstation game released in 2020 it was about samurai and it was open world and i can't remember it for the life of me right now don't oh, worry about God. it but uh, that being said i'm gonna find it you can find it <laughs> ghost of tsushima ghost of tsushima <laughs> tsushima yes. right so uh after after I played through Ghosts, uh, it was it actually kind of opened my you know opened me up to being able to you know to play you know uh, more samurai style games. 
Uh, and that is, that you know, excellent. there's, that game is really good. Like, I love that game. Um, and I slept on it for so long. Uh, so, of course, Rise of the Ronin definitely, you know, uh, fits that bill. Uh, there was another one uh, that was, uh, uh, that was, uh, put out, uh, put on, and this will, uh, this will get you interested. Uh, there's a Yakuza spinoff, Like a Dragon Inchin. Uh, apparently all of the Yakuza spinoffs are going to be Like a Dragon now. Um, so, uh, just keep that in mind because there's, I think there was two Like a Dragons that was, uh, that was announced. There was Inchin and there was, what was the other one? I forget. I forget right offhand. Yeah, like a Dragon was pretty cool. But uh, the Like a Dragon Inshin is, uh, is set in the same time period as, uh, as Rise of the Ronin. So right around the same time as the, you know, the fall of the samurai and the rise of industrialization. But it's, you know, all of the main characters are played by the uh, characters from Yakuza. So they're all they're all present in this, but they're playing different roles. So if you've played any Yakuza games, you'd be able to recognize these, you know, these characters, uh, you know, playing the story of uh, Inshin. Um, it looked very interesting as well. Uh, and of course, the uh, Like a Dragon you know, games are also very over the top as well. Super over the um, top. But uh, they also revealed a gameplay trailer of uh, Tekken 8. And I'm not a big fighting game uh, fan, but if this is what gameplay looks like, it looks like it's, it's better than most CG movies. If, if, if you get my drift. The, uh, uh, the uh, weather effects, they, they showed a fight. I'm not even sure about you know who the fighters are honestly because I haven't played a Tekken in years and years. Um, but there was weather effects. There was uh, there was a big thunderstorm happening, and oh my god, did it look fantastic! And if that is actual gameplay and not just like cut together, you know, you know, different uh, camera angles. If they do the same camera work in you know in the uh, uh, in the fighting game part in the gameplay, then it's going to be a fighting game that's going to look almost cinematic. That's, that's saying something for fighting games because they're pretty stale most of the time, in, in my opinion. Um, so that was, that was one of the things uh, that, you know, that stood out for me from, uh, from the state of play there. Um, you mean God of War didn't stand out? Oh, God of War was, the, was their big reveal. Uh, of course, they always keep the best for last, right? So God of War Ragnarok got a uh, you know got a new trailer, uh, and boy did they really go all out on that trailer! It made me want to play a fucking God of Roll uh, God of War again. In fact, I'm considering getting it for PC just so that I can turn it to beautiful and you know and play that game again. Uh, I had it for PlayStation Four, and somebody has it there in you know in Oakley Oakley Land. I'm not sure who. We'll have to look again. But um I want to I want to play through that game again just to 
just to refresh my memory on the uh, the whole God of War story uh, from the 2018 release, uh, and God of War Ragnarok is coming out, but uh, was it uh, November? Was yeah, it November. Yeah, it's it was November. November. Uh, so that's coming up real friggin' soon, and it looks great. That looks like the game that could possibly stand up to Elden Ring this year. And that is, I mean, there's not been very many games that could stand up to Elden Ring this year. So th- that looks like it could. We'll see. Elden Ring already got Game of the Year from Tokyo Game Show. <laughs> <laughs> they just Called like, early. They're just like, there's nothing else coming out like this. <laughs> Called early. I think... I think Elden Ring definitely is like a shoe in, it's, but it's at least deserving. Yeah, the uh, I think God of War Ragnarok is probably the only title that you know that is coming out this year that hadn't been delayed, like delayed out of the running for this year anyway. Um, that's the only thing that could stand up to it, uh, and at least you know, take some, take some votes away from it. Cause it's re- right now, Elden Ring's pretty unanimous. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I've liked the original God of War. It was, uh, it, it was kind of weird in spots. Um, it's, but it's linear. It's linear. It's not so linear that it gets out of my comfort zone for things that I like to play. And so I genuinely right. like the God of War stuff now. Like it's come a real long way over the last twenty years. It's not open world, but it's and it's also not linear. Like there's downtimes between big story bits, and you can you can choose to explore a little bit. And that's that's the kind of it's that was what was weird about it for me was that its cadence was a little bit off because there was always a little bit of a downtime between big story moments. The big story moments were fucking huge, awesome story moments. They did really good with the really epic fights. Yes. I mean... As long as it doesn't get too far into the quick time event stuff and it still makes you have skill with the stuff that had a little bit of issue with the quick time stuff in the last one, but it was still an excellent game. There's a whole lot less of the quick time stuff, uh, you know, in God of War 2018 than it did, you know, on like the original releases for the PlayStation, PlayStation. Oh, yeah, and they, so on. It got ridiculous for a while. Right. Quick time things, you know, that can that's a that's a trope that can, you know, can go out to pasture. Uh, <laughs> it was cool 15 years ago. <laughs> right. And it's no longer cool. This, you know, in this day and age. Um. We want to do cool There's, things on our own. And then if you just need it to be cinematic, just make it cinematic for a minute, which which the last God of War did do that in parts. Transitioning right, exactly. scene to scene was cinematic, and then the individual stuff was you controlling a character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it when it, you know, it goes from a cinematic moment and then just kind of like hands you the reins again. You know, that way it kind of flows better. You know, and of course, there was no load times in between there. So it was like you going from, you know, doing weird big shit, you know, sliding down the back of a fucking giant or whatever. And then once you hit the ground, you are running. You are, 
you know, you are controlling the character and doing all the, you know, all the skill based, uh, you know, the combat from the 2018 release was great. So, you know, having all of, all of those tools, plus new, some new tools, uh, you know, in, in Ragnarok and then being able to, you know, kind of, you know, explore the, the, the whole Norse mythology uh, side of things even more is, is going to be great. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, something we didn't touch on, but there's now a mod that you can add to your library for Half-Life 2 that is um, a VR mod for it. So oh my if God. you want to play Ravenloft in VR, you can have at it. I added it to No, thank you. That's That was voted at some point as one of the, uh, you know, creepiest little fucking areas, you know, in gaming history. Um, and honestly, when I played through... Half-Life 2, way back, ten, you know, back in, in time. Holy shit. It's surprising how old that game is. Um, I like 20 years. Yeah. Almost, I think. I think it came out in 04. Yeah. Anyways. But... Uh, it's, it's been a minute. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a hot minute. Um, I just remember the tonal shift of going through uh, Ravenloft after going through most of the city Ravenloft was, was really, really dark and creepy. And, super and of tense. course, the, you huh? have no ammo, you have the gravity gun, and you have saw blades. And you had the fucking, uh, the poison fucking uh, headhuggers that fucking brought you down to one health if they hit you. Yeah. Yeah. It made it, it made it very tense. And that, and that was something that they, you know, they did quite well with uh you know with uh half-life now i i'm i'm over the fact of asking for another half-life you know game but there is rumbles and rumors and you know and things that you know this the steam dev, uh, dev studios are still turning through and making new games now so maybe you know, after a very long hiatus, we might get some uh, some closure on the fucking Half Life Two story. Well, because if yeah, there's go ahead. There's that, but um, th- there is only one other thing that I've uh, I want to talk about. You know, this week, uh, unless there's other games that you're you know that you saw that came out. No, I'm good. Um, there was uh, there was some pretty massive news in uh, in gaming hardware, um, and that news comes from a uh, a recent reveal from uh, EVGA, uh, where EVGA has decided to end their GPU lines completely. They are breaking ties with NVIDIA. Uh, and they will no longer be making any more graphics cards past the 3000 series NVIDIA, uh, NVIDIA cards. Uh, they said and the 40 series was not going to be profitable for them. Wasn't that the big reason? That is that is one of the big reasons. Because, uh, I mean, video cards over the past couple of years have been pretty fucking crazy, uh, where... There was big shortages, and then 
the prices went up and of course the scalper situations and nobody could get graphics cards at all and there's so many different po- uh, problems that has happened with you know with graphics cards over the past couple of years and of course mining didn't help any um for people who wanted to get uh you know graphics cards for pcs uh so with all of that said EVGA has had a partnership with NVIDIA basically since day one of EVGA. Uh, and in the past, it's been mostly, you know, you know, here is, you know, here is the base card, you know, and you can, you can do, you know, custom VRMs and you can do custom cooling and stuff like that, but leave the chip alone. Right. Um, that, that tie has gotten more strenuous over the years. Uh, the 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 when the three thousand series cards, you know, came out and Nvidia is was making their own, you know, Founders Edition cards. The writing was kind of on the wall um, because as soon as they started making their own cards and you know and, and sending out those you know those cards for themselves and they were you know they were quality cards. Um, you knew that they were pulling the best binned uh, uh, GPUs, the the highest performing chips, and keeping them for themselves. And then they were giving all of the add-in board uh, manufacturers, like in you know EVGA, what was left. And there was you know, and there was the whole tech shortage from COVID and all, all that stuff. So basically, the supply was gone and the demand was high. Um. In the process of all of this, over the course of years and years, the profit margin for uh, for graphics cards has gone, you know, down quite a bit. And with NVIDIA, you know, jumping into the, you know, into the market with their own cards, uh, they, the profit margin basically leveled out to less than five, you know, 5% or, you know, hovering around 5% profit margin. Uh, and at that point, it made no more business sense for EVGA to continue with the partnership uh, because they're no longer making money off of, you know, off of the cards. The, sure, they've got power delivery and, you know, and uh, cooling and stuff like that. But when you look at a, a graphics card that comes from NVIDIA that has, uh, that's got a good binned chip, because they're keeping the best for themselves, obviously, uh, and a adequate cooling solution and power delivery system to be able to do that. And they're pricing it at, say, like $1,000 or so. Uh, and then you look at an EVGA card that's, you know, that is like second pick bend and has really great power delivery and really great cooling, but it's $300 more. Nobody's going to buy that card, you know, unless they're, you know, unless they're looking for the EVGA brand or uh, they're looking for uh, the extra power delivery and cooling, you know, for overclocking. And even if they're looking for overclocking, I mean, that's a second bin chip. You know, it's, you know, it's not the best of the best. Right. Right. So, uh, so it's gotten to a point where they can't even eke out a profit margin on, uh, on, like overclock cards because of you know because of these types of things and 
I guess the, uh, the the relationship between the two companies have just gotten more and more strained over the years. Uh, and now with the uh, 4000 series cards basically on our doorstep, uh, the you know profit margin for you know for add-in board manufacturers has you know taken even more of a dive uh, because those new 4000 series cards are going to be super power hungry. They're going to you know they're they're manufactured in uh, in just a very specific way uh, that add-in board manufacturers are going to have a hard time actually making any money off of those. You know, you'd have to put more RGB on them or something, I guess. Um, but it makes this, this move from EVGA to break, you know, break from NVIDIA and basically, you know, stop their GPU line doesn't mean that EVGA is going away as a company because they make, you know, uh, they make, uh, motherboards, uh, they did, uh, uh, power supplies and they've got other, uh, other products that they're, you know, that they're good at, you know, their power delivery is really, really great. Um, but I always looked at EVGA cards as like, you know, those are the cards to get like, right. Yeah, sure. I, I ended up with a Zotac card, you know, because of, you know, that was what was available, but I really wanted an EVGA card because I liked those, you know, I was, you know, loyal to that brand. Uh, and I, I mean, I ended really up having a, problems with them. Yeah, I ended up with a GeForce card but that was just part of the uh, lottery that I got when I was trying to get one. Right, and so this is a uh, is a major break for uh, you know for graphics cards. Now, there's plenty of add and board manufacturers um, like Zotac, and you know, and there's plenty of others, um, but. EVGA actually stepping back from that market is is a pretty big deal. That's you know the tech YouTubers are going absolutely freaking crazy right now. Um, I recommend going and taking a look at you know a, a couple you know different videos um, to uh, to you know get the full breakdown as as to what that's you know what that decision really means for the you know for the graphics card market. Um, but you know, right now, graphics cards are kind of you know uh, they're we're in a uh, in a weird spot for graphics cards because there's reports right now that Nvidia is stockpiling for uh, four thousand series cards in a warehouse someplace um, so that they don't run into supply chain issues again. Um, there's uh, there was news that Ethereum moved from proof of work to proof of stake just recently. And that means that mining Ethereum is basically dead. Uh, so not that there isn't other coins to mine, but most of the people who are mining specifically Ethereum are getting out of the market now. So the uh, so the mining scene is taking a, you know, a pretty big dive. So there's going to be a, a large number of 3000 series cards that got scooped up uh, from miners that's going to end up on the secondary market. Uh, and right now is kind of a weird time to buy graphics cards because, you know, because of all of this. Yeah, I would, I would still wait and I probably wouldn't get a 4,000 series card because we don't know what bugs are going to have, et cetera. The price point's probably going to be pretty extravagant. Probably better getting a 30 series card right now. I, I wouldn't get a 20 series card at this point. No, but, you can get a 3,000 3, series, uh, a 30 series card. Like um, Matt just 
posted a build in our little secret group, but he's doing a 3070 TA. So, like, that's a fairly, that card will do a lot of 1440 gaming and some 4K gaming. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I was doing 4K gaming before I got this card on a 1070. I just had to readjust settings on medium for a lot of things for 4K. So, you know, on with all the pretties, you can do some 4K gaming with a 3070. But pretty much everything at 1440 with all the pretties on, the 3070 is a pretty powerful card and you can get it for under 700 bucks. And maybe even cheaper in a couple months, maybe you can find it in maybe the 500 range, which is a pretty good price point for a graphics card these days. Yeah. The uh, the big thing with the 40 series cards, the 4000s, um, the, we don't have... Uh, any official numbers or anything like that, but it's rumored right now that the, you know, that the cards are 400 watt cards and up. Uh, it's going to be huge power draw, which means you have to upgrade are, your, your power supply too. Yeah. Your power supply needs to be able to handle that kind of power draw. Uh, and there's, unless you are, uh, unless you're rocking like a, you know, a thousand watt power supply or, you know, or something, you're looking at having to buy a video card and a power supply just to be able to run that card. Um, yeah, and you can get an 850 gold right now and run the 30 series cards just fine. Right. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty big shock. I I don't know enough about the 4000 series launch or the 40 uh, 40 series launch for um uh to be able to make a you know, a informed decision yet. I'm still kind of waiting for some reviewers to get their hands on it so that I can, I can look at the tech specs for it. I'm not going to, um, truth be told, unless there's just something really, really big, the next upgrade I'm going to get is a CPU upgrade before I get a GPU upgrade because I'm still able to throw everything I want at the current 3080 I got. Right. And with the 3090 that I have, I don't necessarily feel like I need to do anything more with this. Um, the, uh, the only thing that I would be looking at, you know, possibly in the future, and this is probably mid next year, I might pick up a 4,000 series card, depending on how things work, uh, work out, uh, only because I know that the 3090 will go to, you know, go to good use in another system here in the house, you know, and that's, you know, and I don't want. You know the I don't want him and ended up having to buy a whole another fucking you know whole another rig just to be able to run you know run a four thousand series card you know so there's that's the only plan I have I don't I'm not really looking at four thousand this would be one of those generations that I might have skipped in the future or in in the past um but yeah it's I don't think there's there's not a good use case right now for anything over a 3080 or 3090 right now. I mean, a 3090 was super niche to begin with. It's almost a workstation card, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, getting in, I know it's got, like, a 40%. They were saying the next gen was going to have, like, a 40% performance boost over even a 3090. But I don't have anything that I need. I can run 40% of headroom. I'm already running headroom. You know what I'm saying? So, right, like, there's exactly. nothing out there challenging the system that I have with a 30 series card enough for me to justify shelling out 1500 bucks for a card other than to say, here's my big digital dick, which I'm not as big into anymore other than maybe getting an expensive (laughs) TV, but that's something I can 
actually see a difference with. So, right. Well, that's the thing with me. Uh, I would only pick up the the latest and greatest card if there was if I had if if I was running a, a Pimax eight K VR rig, then maybe I'd get it. But I'm not, and I don't play VR enough as it is for me to justify any more upgrades for VR. Like I'm just I'm holding off until I don't know. And get another bug up my ass and play a little bit more VR for a little while. Um, then maybe I I may consider that, but I, I can run all the VR shit that I want right now. Right, I'm I'm perfectly fine with Beat Saber on my you know on my 3090, and there's nothing, no game that I've you know, loaded up in the last you know since I bought the you know bought this thing that's even challenged it. So, you know, I'm oh well, I got I'm a challenge. I got one challenge for you: No hmm. Man's Sky in VR. No Man's Sky in VR. I don't want to throw up. Uh, <laughs> as simple as that. I just get, don't want to throw up. You get pretty used to it. But anywho, uh, it's pretty. It, uh, I would say that it's pretty smooth, and I, I, I don't drive humans very often. Driving the spaceships so. is pretty magical. I'll say that. Much. Okay. Okay, I'll give you that. But that I think that's where we should probably call it quits. I agree. So. Um, Rusty, I don't. Oh, don't ask me this. I've only been on the show for years and years and years, and I don't I'll have do this all, stuff memorized. I'll do all the things. So, where can yeah. you find us, guys? Well, you can find us at tiltcast.com. You can find us on Spotify as well as iTunes. Rate and review us on Spotify. Help us get move up in the rankings. That would be fantastic. Subscribe if you would. It's just if you search tiltcast for the only one with the big red logo on it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. find us on Facebook.com slash the real Tiltcast as well as you. I'm not going to even mention YouTube. We haven't put out a video in like five years on YouTube. <laughs> um, Twitter is where we're most active. I get real time res- um, responses to all of that stuff. So if you want to message us, um, Twitter's the way to go. Um, the other things, though, um, as far as friends of the show, we've got Cabbage KBG, we've got NoQuarters.net got bmfcast.com for the love of gaming and tvgp.tv they don't do do vr as much as we do with that it's the end of the show all right peace